So who, who informed you that we're all three Steven. stubborn? Hmm. Well, we'll have to plot his demise. Like, now. he's not. Right. Yes. He's not stubborn. Yes, he is. No, he's like, I'm not doing it, period. That's called stubborn. Right. That's called, I'm not doing it, period. This is Sherry, Outline of a Murder podcast, the smart, true crime podcast. And as we've been talking about on this stubbornness, <laughs> I think we are all I didn't stubborn it was to on. a degree. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. All right. So I'm Sherry. I'm Elena. And I'm Mom. And this, this case, to me... Um, is probably one of the saddest we'll do. So I'm just going to warn you right off the bat. Um, because it bothers me because it's it hits so close to home with me having a church and being a pastor. And, and we'll get into that later. But I think what makes me sad about this is it didn't have to happen. It just flat did not have to happen. In fact, if these girls had a little more stubbornness, um, which is why I started hitting record right off the bat, Maybe it wouldn't have happened. And so, um, and I don't blame anybody at all. I don't, I don't blame the young girls. I don't blame their parents and how they raised them. I, I want to make that right off the bat, um, plain, but there is a happy ending to this story. And, uh, but I first want to give you guys a setting. So it takes place in New Philadelphia, Ohio and in Tuscaweras, I think county. And Elizabeth Reiser, they call her Liz, um, friends and family, was super excited um, on a Tuesday night because her be best friend, Brandy Hicks, had invited her to her choir banquet. And Liz asked her mom, Becky, if she could go and stay the night. You know, now it's a school night, but uh, Liz was a very responsible young girl. Um, I don't remember, wait, let's see, 16? No, she's 17. Brandy was 18 at the time. So very responsible. And she's like, okay, go ahead. And what was even more amazing is Brandy, who was 18, had just gotten her first apartment with a couple of friends. And I'm like, wow, I don't know if when Kent was 17, if I would let him stay the night because mm -hmm. I just remember how I was when I was a kid. But these were good girls. These were good girls. They were good kids. One uh, of the roommates was like a pastor's daughter, which I don't know if they're always good kids. Right. But anyway, and uh, and then Liz and Brandy were very involved in church. So Liz was excited to get to stay the night with her friend, but also the first time in her new apartment. So I bet she felt like all grown up and, you know, they're going to have a really good time. And uh, they were going to, um, you know, go to uh, the choir banquet and then... Uh, she'd go, of course, to school the next morning. So uh, I remember when Kent was little, it wasn't that I didn't trust him to stay the night at people's. I just didn't trust the kids. And I mean, this is how, you know, like in our, our first episode, we were talking about personalities. I didn't trust the parents. Right. You know, it's like, okay, are you going to protect my son? Are you going to hurt my son? Like, I just, I was very distrustful and I would prefer his friends to be at our house. But he did have one friend, Jade, that I didn't necessarily trust Jade, but I knew his parents would do a good job of making sure they stayed out of trouble. So I, I don't know if I would have been able to, to do that. No, not a, um, not an 18 year old's apartment, certainly not. Nope. And then I didn't trust anybody really, but I gave the kids opportunity and I found out recently that one parent in particular, she won't, Jade won't tell me who she is. I really want to hurt. <laughs> I found out. Yeah. Once they walk out the door, you don't know. No, you don't. And, and, and it's, I mean, we don't want to, you know, on our true crime uh, podcast to have a crime be committed by you knowing who this mother is. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, 
Obviously, you know, with all of that being said, Becky really trusted her daughter, Liz, and loved Brandy and, you know, knew that they'd be good kids and they wouldn't get into trouble. So I saw this um, story on Dead Silent, uh, Strange Passenger, and I couldn't find a lot of information on this. So a lot of what we're going to talk about um, did come from the show solely because I like to, you know, search and sometimes I can look in court records and things like that, but there just wasn't a lot. Now, um, when I first heard Becky, the mom, talking about Liz, she said that um, she told her daughter yes because she was an honor roll student, her chores were done, and she said that she remembers to this day the girls laughing as they went to the, you know, got in the car and, and drove excitement. away. excitement. Yeah, they were just so happy. Mm-hmm. And then she said, I never said goodbye. So um, this right here is Liz. And this is an older picture of um, uh, Brandy. So, um, anyway, it's... They look so happy. Yeah, her story's neat um, because there is a survivor. It is Brandy, but um, Liz, that's when, how old she was when all of this happened. So, both girls, they go to a banquet, and then they went and visited Brandy's mom a little bit afterward. And uh, then they were going to go to Hollywood Video. Remember Hollywood oh, Video? Yes. We had one in Clovis. Yeah. I think it's shut down now. I don't know if you guys still have. No, we don't have any video stores. No. Yeah. Oh, Netflix. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so they're going to get a movie to watch. And then they were going to go to Brandy's house at 930, watch the movie and hang out. And Brandy had let her roommates know that too, that they'd be there about 930. And uh, so after the the choir um, banquet, they go to the store to pick out their movie. And on the show, it was funny. Like, they were looking at different movies, and one of them pulled out, remember which one, like a horror show. And the other one said, no, I don't watch horror shows. I mean, they were just such innocent girls, you know, and such good girls. And so, anyway, they pick out their movie. And they left the store, and they were walking toward Brandy's car. So remember, Brandy's the older one. And they're walking toward the car when a man approached them asking for a ride. Oh, and no. they both said no. You know, they're like, no. But then he said that he'd been walking all day. So Brandy explained she didn't have enough gas. So she's probably trying to come up with excuses. In a nice way. Than to stand behind her no. Right. And, which is a good point. You know, because I think people feel they have to have a reason to say no. You don't need any reason. Mm-mm. That's why we say, be smart, be rude, don't be a victim. You don't need a reason to tell someone no. And um, and so, uh, he said, well, um, I'll pay $20 for gas. So, now, being the typical predator... They're going to notice any weakness in what's happening, and they're going to really start pressing. And so they hesitated, and like any good con man, con man he said, I really want to see my kids before they go to bed. Oh. Mm. Good and, girls. Yeah, yeah. Why and it seems like Liz is the one that relented. She was like, you know, let's go ahead. They were both good and kind, and they'd been taught to be that way. Yeah. And so they all three get into her car. Very trusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll get into more of it. But, um, again, you know, kindness isn't putting yourself in danger. Right. But you have to be taught to to, to know what danger is. Yeah. Yeah. And remind me um, at the end, if y'all, if y'all don't remember, that's okay. But about how my dad teaching me a certain thing kept me from being kidnapped. And I think if he wouldn't have taught me that, I don't know what would have happened. Because I would have been probably being young and not wanting to be mean. Because, you know, when I was younger, I didn't want to be as mean as sometimes I'm like, no. (laughs) You know, like if someone approaches me, I'm like, no. Um, But back then, you know, I might have been more prone to helping. Yeah. As a teenager. I I help in different ways, though. Like, um, especially when I'm with the kids, even now, Mm -hmm. we'll have people come up to us. Mm. Um, and ask for things and I won't let, I won't, um, obviously let them get into our vehicle, but I do help them in different ways. Yeah. So I think it's having different methods where you can be kind. Right. To help But others. also being smart. Yeah. 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 
So uh, when I was watching this show and he got in the car, I mean, my stomach just instantly dropped. I mean, it was like, you know, watching it, you know, the second he's in the car, it's over. It's over. Whatever he's going to do, Especially he's going to do, and it's over. Yeah. And uh, so it was kind of hard watching it, but the guy said his name was Mark, and he began directing Brandy where to go. And he tried to build rapport with them, which, is, again, is a, a con artist. that They're very charismatic. Um, psychopaths, um, you can like them right off the bat. In fact, that's my sign. Someone might be a psychopath if I like them immediately because I normally don't like people immediately. So if I do like someone immediately, I'm like, psychopath, you know, and uh, I got a funny story on that too. But anyway, so he started talking to him and it's almost like he had a sixth sense because he was like, you know, I'm trying to turn my life around. I want to spend more time with my kids. And it's like he knew they would like to hear that. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, like he wanted them to feel more comfortable. I think teenage girls, I think he knew what he was doing with teenage girls though. What was his age? I think at the time he was probably 30-something. Maybe late 20s. Young kids also think adults are trusting. You learn to trust them. They're supposed to be able to trust them. Well, and the other thing is that, again, it's, you know, like, okay, so, yes, I'm a pastor. Um, Second, to being a businesswoman and, you know, just dealing with human nature all the time, both in business and in ministry, uh, it there is that realm of darkness where, and I don't want to sound dramatic, but it's almost like people know what to say, what you know, what to do, and uh, and and because right after he's telling me he's going to straighten out his life and stuff, they invite him to church, and uh, so suddenly out of the blue, they're having this conversation. He tells Brandy to stop. Like, no reason. They're just driving down the road. There's no store, nothing. He says to stop in the middle of nowhere. And he jumps out of the car, just jumps out of the car. He walks into the darkness, and he was gone for a while. And they were about to drive away. And again, number one, he wouldn't be in my car. If he was and he gets out, I would have hit that gas so fast, and I would have left him there. No, they wanted to help him. Right. And something was wrong with him. Now, he, they were about to drive away, and the way the show portrayed it, it was almost like they were getting nervous. They were thinking, this might be a bad idea. And plus, it's getting late. They should have already been home. And, um, and so, you know, at, at this point, it's already been 20 minutes. They've already been driving him around for 20 minutes. And so they, right when they were about to drive off, he jumps in the back seat with a bag. And he said it was full of presents for his kids, but it had gotten too heavy when he was walking. And so he had stashed it there earlier. So, uh, again, red flag. I'm, you know, but it's one of those sinking feelings like, number one, no, don't let him in the car. Number two, drive away, drive away. But you know that doesn't happen because you're watching the show. Number three, a bag, really? That's going to be his weapon. That's going to be... You know, whatever. And that's so abnormal. It is for abnormal. For some yeah. random person to put a bag in the middle of nowhere. Right. And Especially then go fetch gifts. It. Yeah. 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 But again, they're, they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. They're teenagers. They, you know, they don't have any grid for this. So, um, he was creepy. And the girls didn't want to be mean. They didn't want to be unkind. Uh, and they hesitated, you know, giving him time to get back in there. And so, another 15 minutes of driving. So now we're at 35 minutes they've been driving him around. And finally, Brandy's like, you know what? We've been driving around, you know, this long. She pulls over to the side of the road and says, you need to get out. I'm sure you're close enough to walk. We're already late. We need to get home, blah, blah. And they're about 15 miles from town. And so um, at that point, he pulled out a gun and told her to drive. So he seemed fascinated with Brandy more than Liz. It was like he um, had his eye on her. So he um, has a gun to her head. He's like, you know, like caressing her with it and staring at her and things like that. And so he had her turn onto this dark uh, country road. He commanded that both of them get out of the car. And he had them take their shoelaces out of their shoes, which I thought was interesting that he didn't have ways to tie someone up. You know, it's like, here you are sitting, waiting for 
someone to come out of the store. You've already stashed your weapon. So you obviously have thought about committing this crime and yet you don't have a rope or something. Or but I if he didn't think of committing that crime, maybe it evolved to rob from robbing to could have to what he, else. Yeah. what he did. Like, oh, there's girls. Yeah. And um, so he has them take their shoelaces out. And then he told Liz she had to tie her best friend to the steering wheel. And then he walked Liz into the woods. And uh, he then commanded her to kneel. And he slit her throat with a, a linoleum cutting knife. Nothing else just immediately slit her throat. Mm-hmm. And then he lit a cigarette. Wow. So Brandy, uh, and it was, you know, again, it was hard because Brandy and Liz, as they were being ripped apart, um, uh, Brandy said, I love you. And Liz says, I love you too. So it just, it was just such a hard, to me, this will be the hardest one we'll do because of just, you know, seeing the images and them being sad. Probably hurt her friend. Fine and yeah, she and she didn't hear of obviously the murder or anything else because he walked her off quite a distance. But she probably had an idea he was either going to rape her mm-hmm. or she'd never see her again. So and she tried to get away, but she couldn't. She was tied, and he made sure she tied her tight. You know, so um, so Brandy's tied up. He goes and slits um, her throat, and then he comes back for Brandy. And when Brandy saw him alone, she knew something bad had probably happened to her best friend. So he then takes her down the same road. And I'm like, he's going to slit her throat. That he took her? They took Liz, yep. So he starts taking Brandy down the same throat, uh, same throat, same road, and um, shows her her best friend's body. Control. Mm-hmm. And he let her know that will happen to you if you don't do what I say. So he wasn't wanting to kill her, but or at the time, but he wanted to get that control over her. And then she saw her best friend, but she didn't because she fell forward. So she didn't know if maybe she was just knocked out. Um, she wasn't sure she was dead. Uh, so that that to me that she didn't see her throat and things like yeah. that is is better. Yeah. But I can't imagine what that picture is in her mind yeah so um now while this is happening liz and brand uh, liz and brandy's loved ones are sound asleep they have no idea and uh the roommate actually woke up once and noticed that brandy and liz weren't home but she didn't think much about it she just figured they were out having fun so my question is would you like to me and again they're teenagers but I don't know. Maybe it's just watching too much true crime. I would be immediately like, where are they? I mean, I've even done that with Mike, a grown man. And he, you know, said, I'll be home at a certain time. And then he's running late. I'm like, hey, you know, where are you? And if he doesn't answer, I'm I'm going by a shop. I'm, I'm going to make sure he's okay or I'm going to call him. I think most but, people do that, though. But don't you remember when y'all were teenagers, you just kind of run? Well, at least I was. You didn't have plans. I didn't. You just kind of went with it. Other right. people, just like you, didn't have plans. Their right. plans change very quickly. Yeah. yeah. The only person I know as a teenager who doesn't do that really would be Jade. Right. She plans. She plans. And She's she a planner, and planning. she does it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a planner. If, That's where she gets it. Yes. Definitely not me. I I could see that. I And it may depend on the relationship, too, and the person. You know, if you know someone like Jade, that if she says she's going to be home at 6.02, it will be 6.02 on the dot. If she's not here by 6.04, you know, hey, right. is everything okay? <laughs> right. So it, it could be that situation, too. Yeah. Like, we know when you said you'd probably be here at 11 today, it'd be closer to 12 or 1. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's older, fair. too. <laughs> yeah, 30 was, minutes from now, we're going to I was close, though. No. Two? No. Two hours later. <laughs> but I can't say anything. I was like, what, 30 minutes or an hour late? Yeah, you were almost an hour late. Circumstances. Yeah. I just would like to say I was the only one on time ready to go. Circumstances. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. So um, so he shows her the body. He then takes Brandy back to the car. He puts her socks on his hands. So, again, showing that he didn't even have gloves or nothing. So, I'm not sure, like, wh- again. socks? Brandy's. Okay. So he has her take her socks off. He puts them on his hands. So it's obvious he was up to no good. But he either sucks at planning 
Or again, like you said, what he was going to do wasn't that, but he just saw an opportunity. And so no fingerprints, but he had already killed the other girl. Right. He had already touched things. Yeah. Nobody in the car. Right. It's a weird, it's, you know, he might not, not be the not, brightest bulb in the pack. Not bright. So um, he drives her car and uh, they go to an abandoned railroad car on a secluded track. He tried raping her, but he wasn't able to. So at this point, it gets a little bit confusing because some reports say that he tried to strangle her at this point. But on the episode I watched, um, which had the mother and some of the cops on it, they both were, they walked along the railway tracks, I think after he tried to rape her, I'm not sure. But while they were walking, he made her carry his beer. And then at one point, she mentioned how her feet were hurting, so he took um, his boots off so she could wear them. Wow. I'm baffled. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a weird Was he drunk or on drugs? I'm thinking he's probably been drinking because, you know, she's, like, carrying his beer. It's like she had, like, a 12-pack or a case of Maybe of she beer. reminded him of someone he cared about. Maybe. I don't know. And and so if he tried to rape her and then tried to strangle her, and when he couldn't strangle her, is it is that when he took her down the road? road tracks or did he try to rape her then took her down the railroad tracks and then her feet start hurting he you know lets her walk in his shoes uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure what happened but they get to the Tusca Tusca where <laughs> I can't even say it T-U-S-C-A-R-A-W-A-S river and they had the weirdest conversation so she was sitting there at the edge of the river, and he was behind her smoking cigarettes, and he asked her what she was going to do after high school. What in the world? Yeah. And he recommended college. You ought to go to college. And so she explained that she wasn't going to go to college, that she was going to be a photographer, and this upset him. And so suddenly, he started strangling her. So again, I don't know if he did it twice or just this one time, but to me, it's like if he's asking her what she's going to do after high school, he didn't have plans to kill her. Maybe he was undecided or maybe he wanted to set her at ease. Or maybe he got to know her a little bit. She was trying to be calm. And they talked. And he did give her in the moment. Yeah, and he thought, you know, he, he liked her. He wasn't thinking at all. Right. He was going See, from moment to moment. Yeah. Spur yeah. of the moment. And the fact that she didn't want to go to college really upset him. And that's when he tried to, you know, strangle her. I, maybe because she didn't do what he said. Right. Which is kind of hard to do because, you know, she's a kidnapped victim and um, she may not make it anyway. But, yeah, it was a weird deal. So he starts strangling her. I think he tried like three times. So he's obviously not good at this either. Or did he stop? He wasn't successful, or did he stop? He wasn't successful. Wow. And so she passed out repeatedly. Mm. Finally, the last time, she played dead. And he rolled her river, her, her body into the river, and she floated along the river, she thinks, for about an hour. Wow. And he sat there smoking cigarettes watching her. That's brave. Mm-hmm. And, and she said he kept mumbling to himself. So... The, the scene is that he rolled her into the river, and she's basically like stationary, maybe moving a little bit with the current, and he just literally sat there and smoked cigarettes, and she knew it. She knew he because he was mumbling. Uh, and so um, once she was sure that he was gone, uh, she got out of the river and started walking. And uh, I'm not sure how long she wa uh, walked, but she heard a car coming, and you know, she was thinking it could be him, right. which to, to me would be your worst nightmare. Right. It's like you get away and then the one car you flag down, it's the killer. And um, so she's like, this is my only chance. I mean, he could come back looking for me. I mean, there's just so many things that she was thinking. So she just takes a chance. She comes out of the, the uh, side of the area there and it was a cop. So Boy, um, that's lucky. Yeah. And, uh, they get her to the hospital, and they questioned her. And at this point, she still isn't sure, you know, if her friend Liz is dead. Um, but they go to the area, and they find her, and she was deceased. And um, it broke her heart. It broke her heart. So um, Brandy later described her last conversation 
and I kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but she said, the last thing I told her was I love her and that no matter what happened, I would see her again. So later, the autopsy showed that Liz had been stabbed five times in her head. She had cuts and scrapes on her neck and back and that she was stabbed three times in the neck and then she had a 10 inch long two and a half inch deep slice across her throat. That's like almost decapitation, isn't it? Yeah, almost decapitated her. Well, that's personal. Yeah, but the scrapes, the cuts and scrapes on her neck and back. Now, I'm not a detective, as we talked about you know, in our first podcast. We're not psychologists, psychiatrists, or detectives, but we've watched enough crime shows to know that those could be hesitation. You know, it, he had never murdered before, as far as they know. And they say, you know, the first murder, they can hesitate unless it's like a crime of passion, you know. Um, so it's almost like, was he hesitating? And then he just decided to do it. I don't know. Um, in the show, it sounded like he just slit her throat. But when I started digging, I found out he did try to stab her and, and things like that. And so, yeah, he almost decapitated her. Now, for some reason, um, when they found her body, they took Liz's body to the hospital uh, I don't know if that's normal procedure. I mean, I figured if she was dead, they'd take her to the coroner's. So maybe the coroner was in the hospital? That's what I thought that some were. Maybe what size of town? It could be. Yeah. Um, so the reason that was interesting to me is they called Liz's mom and dad to come to the hospital. So to them, they're thinking car wreck, you know, something like that, that she's still alive, that she's still okay. And so they rush up there and the cops sit them down and told them that Liz was gone. Now, before the cop could even get that out though, and, and at first I thought this was weird. If I didn't know that it, it was the guy that killed him, I would have um, thought maybe the dad did it. Because before he could give it out, yeah, get that out, um, the dad said, I already know my daughter is dead. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. You gotta be careful that. <laughs> right. So if it wasn't for knowing this guy, you know, did it, I'd been like, oh, you'd be my first suspect. Um, but then right after that, he said, I forgive the man who did this. So the cops haven't even said, your daughter's dead. He knew it. He felt it. And then he says, I forgive the man who did this. And then Becky, uh, the mom, looked at him and then looked at the cop and said, I do too. And the cop um, was flabbergasted. And I have to tell you, so again, being, you know, having a church, I was a little irritated. <laughs> Why? I'm like, that, what, what do you mean you forgive? You know, like, I don't know. It just like... Uh, it was just a weird timing, I guess. Immediate. Yeah. But Becky's mom said it felt like um, warm honey came over her. Like mm -hmm. once she said that, it was like warm honey. And, and, you know, that's the presence of God. I mean, she just felt him on her mm -hmm. and it gave her a peace. She felt a lot of peace. So I guess it was good, but I was kind of surprised by my reaction of being irritated at first. Like, let's not jump the gun here. You know, eventually forgive. Yes, a lot right. of a lot of true crime too. They have you just know. Yes, when someone's gone, yeah. you just know. Yeah, and they and they, that was their position from the start, and the cop knew it was because of their strong faith. You know, they they weren't like some people that say, "Oh yeah, I have faith in God." They lived it, and so did those girls. And so, um, and he also said that Brandy's strength was tremendous, and he'll never forget it. And uh, so now it's time to find the killer, okay? Because he gave the name Mark, you know. So they're trying to find this guy. Um, Brandy helped him with a really good sketch, and they were able to get that out. But here's where it gets weird, and here's where it shows that a lot of criminals are really stupid. At least the majority of them. So they got the sketch. They got the details of the crime. The investigators get to work. And then one day, this lady named Sheila Davis shows up at the police department wanting to talk with investigators. So she said that her son, Matthew Vaca, called her and said that he'd done something really bad. And I guess she'd been watching his kids for a few days. And that seemed like it was kind of a normal thing. Like he'd drop them off and then disappear. 
And she felt that um, he needed to pay for what he did if it was true. And so she told the cops where to find him, and he was arrested. But then... For her, Mom. Yeah, I think that'd be hard. Oh, yeah. I would do it in a split second, though. If Kim I was, would, too. Yeah. I'd be like, I love you, but you're going to jail. It'd be devastating, but I would, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And him disappearing for a couple of days, it's just that scatterbrain attitude mentality that he had. There was, like, no rhyme or reason. And also, he did have kids. And so what a scumbag to use, to use his kids to get these girls in the car. Or was he being sincere at times? I don't know. I just think he's an idiot. Um, we need, like, a nickname for criminals that we really think are dumb. I think you nail every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> one great resource for victims, crime victims, is victimconnect.org. And they're a referral helpline where crime victims can learn about their rights and options confidentially and compassionately. And it combines the traditional uh, help uh, helpline 855-4-VICTIM, an innovative online chat and web-based information and service referrals. So it, they have trained victim assistance specialists, and they serve victims of crime in the United States. And most of the crimes they help with is sexual assault, including campus assault, attempted homicide, domestic dating violence, and or protective order violations, homicide, financial crimes, hate crimes, human trafficking, stalking, mass events, elder abuse or neglect, and child abuse. But here's, again, it's even crazier when it comes to the stupidity department because, and it's a bit confusing on how the events fold, unfold because on the show, it doesn't get into this. The mother turned them in. But another report says that Vodka's brother-in-law, Jeff Mulinix, I guess is how you say his name, provided information that led to his arrest. So I'm not sure which one it is, but here's what happened. So the report says that the sheriff's department received a tip that he had information about the killing, his brother-in-law, Jeff. It seems that Vaca took him to the crime scene to recover part of the knife Vaca used to stab her. I guess it had broken off. And he was also afraid his fingerprints were on it. So I'm not sure which one. I don't know. Mother, brother-in-law? Did the brother-in-law know that that's what he was doing? He was with them. Yeah, he was with them. So, so what did the mother turn him in for? He, I don't know because they didn't bring that out. Like, did he say I killed that you know someone, or did he just say I did something really bad? Did she hear about it? Like she knew a young girl had died. And she connected the dots. I don't know. It's kind of confusing and sketchy. But he literally took his brother-in-law to the scene, and she saw Liz there dead. He saw. So, um, and sure enough. He found the knife, and then he threw it into the river. So if this is true, he had to have gone back either very late that night after he thought he killed Brandy or very, very early the next morning before they found Liz's body. Wow. So I don't know what time her body was found, but it seemed like it was pretty quick. But either way, they got him. Well, and he had family. He didn't know the other girl had survived. No. So he probably was looking for her, too. Yep. Uh, well, unless he read in the paper, you know, that maybe, but that's a good, good point, except that, you know, he put her in the river, so, um, she could be I don't anywhere. know if he went back, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Now, um, you know, I talk a lot about how, uh, remorse and repentance are not the same thing, and you can have situations where, and this is how I define it, you know, remorse, someone can have remorse cry, be upset, you know, what they did, not because of what they did or that they feel guilt, but they're upset because their whole life is changing and they got caught. Mm -hmm. Repentance is different where there may not be any emotion whatsoever, yet um, they take action that shows they are truly sorry. And so when they arrested him, he immediately started crying. And wish he hadn't done what he had done. Well, I'm going to take it that the the scumbag that he is, is that he was actually regretting that now he's going to go to prison. You know, I mean, of course, we can't get into his heart. We don't know for sure. 
But it, the, how brutal he was, I just don't see him being sorry that he killed anybody. Killers sometimes blame the victim, too. Yeah. But he did say his mom, tell his mom he had done something very bad. But again, you know, if there's fear, he's going to want his mom's comfort. Like, it may, you know, it may not necessarily be he actually regrets what he did. It might be like he's scared and more than likely he'll get caught because maybe he knew that he was an idiot and <laughs> messed everything up. I don't I know. Still, I don't know. I still think that he obviously was immature in his thinking. Right. He was still all over the place, back and forth. So I'm wondering if he did feel bad, wanted to tell his mom and did. It wasn't planned, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, well some of it was. Yeah. Yeah, but not. And what is in somebody that's like that, that they would think killing would be okay? Like, do they even think normal? Well, some killers just want to do it to try and see what it feels like. I have heard of, like, some criminals, even serial killers, that the first time they did it, they, like, got sick. Yeah. I've heard um, that, too. You know, a sense of, what did I just do? But then they also like the thrill of it. Yeah, so I don't know with this guy. Um, but anyway, he said he wished he hadn't done it when he got arrested. Don't they all? He, well, I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, wrote out a confession immediately, and he pled guilty. Um, the cops don't believe he's sorry, but most cops don't. Right. And, you know, again, tears don't necessarily mean that he was truly sorry. Sometimes it can be a tool to manipulate, you know. And, and I think... People that are in relationships, just as a side note, because um, I saw this in a situation where we were trying to get this lady away from her abusive husband, and the tears would get them every time. And I remember doing a teaching on it saying, um, tears does not mean they're truly sorry. It can be a tool of manipulation. Uh, it can be a tool of control. They're trying to control you. And you see that in abusive relationships, you know, the um, the intense connection that these type of people are able to form with their victims through words and emotions is incredible, you know. And a lot of women think when a man is crying, because men don't usually cry. Right, that's sincere. I had a situation where a man cried on me many years ago, and it disgusted me. Huh? Maybe the circumstance. <laughs> oh, it was. Well, okay. he was very, very manipulative. So that. But you knew that that a and lot that was of just done, and I was like, women no, don't. Yeah. yeah. No, I do like. Um, yeah, that particular situation. I was like, nope, wasn't moved. Yeah. Disgust me. Get out of my home. Yeah. But he immediately confessed. Yeah. I find that interesting. Maybe he was. I do Sorry too. To an and this, I, I couldn't find a lot um, of information uh, about him, but I know it's hard to see the picture. But there he is. Yeah. He looks young. Yeah. And uh, he got um, he pled counts. guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he instantly pled guilty. That's amazing. They usually don't. Yeah. I wonder what his childhood was like. I don't know. Um, Did they say? Did he say why? Mm-mm. No? Mm-mm. He pled guilty and didn't say why. Mm-mm. Yeah. And, again, it was hard to find some, you know, information on it. This was one of the ones that's really hard. Like, you know, when we get to Dirty John, there's, like, an entire series, you know. Right. But um, Liz's mom, Becky, said that they, they offered them the death penalty. You know, like, we can put them to death if you want. Um, but no one had been put to death a long time in Ohio. It's kind of like if you get the death penalty in New York, it doesn't matter. They're never going to put you to death. Um, but they didn't want Brandy to have to go through years and years of appeals. So they just wanted him to be put away forever and let Brandy grow up and not have to think about this guy. So uh, he received 96 years. Uh, he wept at the table as he listened to the victim's statements. And in a separate hearing, Judge Elizabeth... To, uh, to Makos or something like that, revoked his pro- probation from a 1996 conviction and sent him to another 22 years. So I guess he had been, they called it probation, but I think it was parole because when you get out of jail, you're on parole. Probation is minus jail time. So I think he was on parole from a 1996 conviction. So on top of the 96 years, he got another uh, 22 years 
uh, and he'll be eligible for parole in 2096. What was that conviction of? Uh, I don't know if I have it here in my notes. Um, I got a little bit of his background, but this is what the prosecutor, Bornhorst, uh, said straight to his face. Uh, Do I think you deserve to die for the crimes you committed? Absolutely. In prison, you will be beaten. You will be brutally raped. You will lose every shred of dignity, not for an hour, as Liz and Brandy did, but for the rest of your life. Wow. <laughs> That's what I said. Like, tough. I'm like, can you even say that? You, you know, took like, it pretty personal. Yeah, that, that was a prosecutor. You will be brutally raped. I was like, wow. And he did try to answer some of the family's questions, but he broke down crying. Yeah. And he couldn't talk. So his attorney delivered a pre-written statement where he said, I know I destroyed three families in one night. I know the Lord is with us, watching over us. I am ready and willing to face the consequences of my actions. And one of the saddest statements came from Becky. She had one question for him. Who can I talk to now? I've lost my best friend. Aww. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What so did he answer? He couldn't. He kept breaking down. And it again, it kind of irritated me that he brought the Lord into it. Like a cow. Well, that's what repentance, I mean, he brings you to repentance, but the Lord. Hopefully he was. You Hopefully he wasn't using it for his sentencing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but if there's any that we're going to do this season, he is one that I could say maybe he was sorry for what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the rest, now. Wait till we get to Israel Keys. This, that one's going to, yeah. So the, the judge detailed Vaca's criminal history before he gave the sentencing. Um, he had threatened to kill his stepfather, theft, alcohol and drug abuse, and forgery. And it appears that Vaca's wife, Lisa, had recently alleged that he had threatened her with a knife and a shotgun. And he or she said that listening, because uh, I don't know if it was Vaca or if it was his ex-wife, said that listening to Marilyn Manson and Insane Clown Posse inspired him to rape and kill. Yeah. Now. His crimes escalated. Forgery. They did. And that's a typical pattern. Hmm. Um, now, you know, the whole music thing and it making people do stuff. Um, you know, it's like, I remember the big thing back in like the 80s, early 90s, that song Suicide by, what was it, Ozzy Osbourne, um, where people were, you know, killing suicide. Then you have uh, um, Judas Priest, you know, he had a lot of flack for some of the songs he had. I listened to all of them. Um, I didn't want to commit suicide from listening to the song. But when you have people like he was, they listened to it over, over. Oh, right. But like as, brainwash. As you know, music has an influence. Yes, it, does. it gets to your emotions. And if you're listening to those particular musics, especially, because right. I remember I was a huge Marilyn Manson fan. Huge. Mm-hmm. Then it went to Nine Inch Nails. And yep. then it, went, it got deeper and deeper. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And the depression and the anger was getting worse and worse. Well, and I do think it can play on your emotions, even scientifically, because, you know, Kent, uh, my son, is a musician. And... I remember he was just messing with some chords and he said, mom, listen to this. What do you think about this? And he played certain chords and all of a sudden you could feel it at instant sadness. And I was like, oh, that makes me sad. And I'm normally not a sad person, you know? And he goes, now listen to this. And so he played something else. I'm like, oh, that, you know, like you're like instantly, you know, happy. And he goes, isn't it amazing? Cause he had been studying because he wanted to make sure, you know, being a worship leader, that the songs he played didn't evoke sadness. Yeah. And But there's certain chords that will evoke certain emotions. So, yes, there's influence songs have. But I also think when you have a person that's already on a bad path, Definitely. it's not the song's fault. No. It's just probably feeding into the desire yeah. that's already there. Yeah. For right. sure. You know, so mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know... Um, so the judge said that he knew if Vaca was out free and had a knife, he'd kill again. And he gave him an opportunity to say why he did it. But Vaca said he didn't know why. Um, was it drugs, music, pornography? He said, I'm responsible for it. 
Do you think people that do that know why? Oh yeah, I, I do. I think I do. some do, I think and I'm not. And I'm. I'm not sure if he did. No, I and don't think he did. It is interesting. He said, "I'm responsible." He, How he, could you not know why? He was all over the place. Yeah, there was no rhyme or reason. True, but still the viciousness. So I don't want to excuse yeah. him, but I did find it interesting that he took responsibility. He said, "I'm responsible," and um, you know, I do remember. When I was, let's see, I think 17, and it was before I went on that last um, trip with my dad on the road, and I had a, um, you know, like Detective Joe Kenda says, if if in the right circumstance, anyone can kill. And she, uh, I had a friend that lied about me, that hurt me, and I spent all summer listening to ACDC, my favorite band, mm-hmm. I think it was Ramirez's too, um, <laughs> uh, but listening to that, plotting how I could kill her. Wow. Mm-hmm. I would just like to say that I have never plotted. <laughs> I haven't either. Anyone. Oh yeah, I did, and that was fueled out of anger. But the point of it was the music wasn't helping. Right. Yeah. And so at that point, I'd been a Christian maybe a few months, and I'm like, okay. It's probably not a good idea to plot someone's murder. Did you let it go? And so I did. And then I just read good books and I, you know, I, but I did. I was so hurt that I was trying to figure out how I could get away with it. That's funny. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting. Funny. Hey, I'm just being real here. I know. You You birthed. Like, I'm learning something new with my children. (laughs) No, 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 no. Just. (laughs) Again, I would like to go on the record again and say... So, so I could see how music, like if you already have that in you, I could see how it would just feed into the motion of what you're wanting to do, whether it's suicide or hurt someone. Mm -hmm. To this day, old songs, especially from the 90s, Mm because 90s, you know, as a teenager and all sorts of things happened, it will take me back to those emotions. Mm -hmm. It's awful. Yeah. I have a friend that can't listen to a particular Metallica song. Because she figured out that it would make her angry. There's yeah. just one chord or a few yeah. chords. Yeah, music does have, it's, it can be dangerous. Yeah, yeah. it can. Okay, so um, now this is neat. So Becky did exactly what she told him she would do, and she became a photographer. Oh, and so here's her website. Is um, that her family? Brandy Nicole Photos, yep. Four There's babies. her family, and there she is. And, um, yeah, she's good for her. <gasps> Look at that baby. Yep. <laughs> she's a photographer, her. a strong lady. And she did not go to college. And she did not go to college. Good and I don't, I don't know if she shares, because it's been a while bef- uh, since I looked at this, her website and her Facebook. <sighs> um, but there she is with her hubby. And, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think she talks about, um, what happened to her? Yeah. Um, but yeah, she did exactly what she said she That's would do, awesome. and so she's a photographer. If I almost got murdered and they told me to go to college, I probably wouldn't go to college. Mm-hmm. Just, Just I because I was connected in my mind. Yeah. With that what happened? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, so I want to I want to end with this, and here's what yeah you know, I mentioned you know, at the beginning that bothers me about this crime is. These are two girls who were of strong faith, and they were raised to be kind. They were raised to believe in the good of people. And so I just want to make this plain that being a Christian doesn't mean not having street smarts. You know, it's, you do not have to trust people, and that means you're a Christian. And you not trusting people doesn't mean you're not a Christian, um, you need to use trust your gut. You need to use street uh, smarts. And I remember when Kent was little, and you know, like a lot of people feel safe in church. You know, well, we're all believers here, mm-hmm. and they feel safe. Not me. Never did I believe that. And I'm so glad I didn't because when Kent was little, uh, and there had been this couple that had been going to the, the church before we even started going there, and then we moved to a new building. And so when he wanted to use a restroom, I walked in that 
restroom, made sure every stall was empty, and then I stood by the door. And I wasn't paranoid. Like, he could ride his bike. He could play with friends in the front yard and stuff. I always kept an eye on him, but I wasn't like, you know, um, like a paranoid mom where he could never go anywhere or do anything. But I would check the bathrooms, and I think the reason I did that is when he was four years old, I was watching like Good Morning America or something, and a little boy came out of a restaurant holding his crotch area because his mom let him go in there and he got molested by a man. And so after that, I was like, Kent will never, when he's little, go to a restroom by himself. So even at church, I would check the restrooms and I would tell him, don't trust anybody. Just because they say they're a Christian, just because you see them every Sunday or every Wednesday at church, do not trust them. Never go home with them. Never go anywhere quiet with them. And then I would even set them down and show them the child molesters that were in our neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a fun story for you. And so, um, uh, anyway, come to find out that couple, the man molested little boys. Oh, my. And, uh, you know, people he went to jail for it. So. Because you're a Christian, you're good, and you're perfect. And yeah. you're at church. It's yeah. a safe environment. Yeah. That isn't always the case. Well, and a lot of times predators like those environments. Yes. That's where they can find easy yeah. pickings. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I just, and even like, I remember, you know, Dad, he taught me so many things. And uh, when I was traveling one time to a, a Christian event in uh, uh, Pensacola, and I took a, a girl with me. And I told her, I warned her, you know, because she went to our church. And I said, I'm not nice when I travel. And what I mean by that is when I'm in the public, I'm not going to be all smiles. I'm not going to be all friendly. I'm going to handle my business. And I'm going to get back in the car. You know, because I've traveled all the way to Florida by myself. I mean, you know, I, I, I go anywhere by myself. It doesn't bother me. But I am that way. I remember one time when I went up to uh, Salt Lake City to a convention, um, a bunch of, you know, and I have nothing against hippies, but that's a description of them, came up to me, started pestering me for money. And I'm like, no, I don't have any. You need to get away from me. You know, because it was, they were just real aggressive in it. And uh, and I, I got a stance, you know, I'm ready. And um, so anyway, we were traveling and I told her, I said, when we go into the the convenience store, I need you to be aware of your surroundings. And she's like, okay, you know, and she's like really tall. And we get in there, and I go to use the restroom, and I come out, because we're like in the middle of nowhere, you know. I come out, and I'm, you know, scanning the room, and I instantly see this guy staring straight at her. She's oblivious, and I'm like, hmm, I'm on it, you know. <laughs> so I'm watching him. I'm just standing there watching him, and sure enough, everywhere she went, he followed her, and he's watching her. And so I went up to her and said, hey. There's a guy that's been following you around, been watching for the last, you know, about 90 seconds or so. So here's what I want you to do. And she's like, what? And I said, just act like it's cool, you know. I said, I want you to stay right next to me. What we're going to do is we're going to go check out, immediately get to the car, lock the doors, and then we're going to get out of here. And she's like, okay. And she was scared. So we get in line, and the guy comes right up behind us and just, like, grabs a bag of chips. It's, like, right there. And so now I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm staring at him. And he starts getting nervous, and I'm just looking at him. And so then we check out, and she goes, how are you guys? I said, good. I mean, you know, no, no, nothing. And um, so we check out, immediately get, you know, we didn't run or nothing, but we get to the car. I lock the doors, and I'm looking at him, and he puts the bags up and starts running toward the door. Crazy. And I told her, I said, I told you, <laughs> like a typical D, to be aware of your freaking surroundings. If I wasn't here, what would have happened? I mean, do you think your tallness would have saved you? You know, like there, like you probably would have been in trouble. And then I made sure you didn't follow us. Yeah. But it was just, you know, like I knew what to do. And that, I think, protected us, you know. And so be aware of your surroundings because they can pick targets so easy and be aggressive with your your um body, body yeah and your eye contact for sure because you're oh, yeah. not going to go after someone like that like i walk differently if i'm in an I area i'm not familiar with like if you look up and then down mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I will share them that's, in the that, That'll get you right there. Yeah. You want to walk expansively, like you know what you're doing. Um, Dad told me, he said, in all the truck stops, typically the restrooms will be to the right. So when you walk into a convenience store, a truck stop, just start immediately going to the right, like you know exactly where you're going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I do. I don't act like a tourist looking around trying to find the restrooms. If they're not over there, I'll just continue to walk confidently around the location. <laughs> Good tip, because I still have my stance, but I'm like... Right. <laughs> Looking all over the yeah, place. Yeah, like aggressively. <laughs> they are usually to the right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so even the Apostle John wrote that Jesus did not commit himself to man because he knew how man was. And so I think as Christians, um, you can be smart and you don't have to, to be trusting like that. So on our after show combo, we're going to dig into the antitrust bias. This is a technique that I teach my clients to do um, to protect them against, you know, like online scams and things like that. So we'll get into that. Um, but, uh, okay, so time to transition, unless y'all have anything else to add. No. Okay, so I have something to discuss. So me and Elena went driving around today to find places for our pictures for this podcast for the website and we went to what's the name of the coffee shop ampersand it's been on my coffee list forever so ampersand in fort worth yeah by rodeo goat and it's off university by the museum oh yeah Yeah. so i you know love coffee that's like i think you are the same yes i've never had it you have no that was she did the dude made you a coffee drink mom it was mostly it was sugar for sure, but Mostly there was sugar. espresso and several shots of espresso in it. That's coffee. So obviously, we didn't get our coffee love from mom. Yeah, no. obviously from our dads. My grandpa actually. My or dad just didn't perfection. even drink coffee. I oh, remember mm-hmm. dad making me co- coffee. I put that in quotes because it'd be a little bit of coffee with milk and sugar. Oh no! When I was little, and I loved it. You know, yeah. so um, the only time I didn't drink coffee was when I was pregnant. It made me feel sick to my stomach. But this coffee, so I got the Vietnamese. How many shots of espresso did it have? I think three. Three? small. Yeah, and I want. I told her, what's the strongest? That's what I want. (laughs) So we were driving, you know, looking for places. And I couldn't drink it for how long? Like 30 minutes? Because we were on those bumpy roads. And she's like, finish her matcha. And I'm just still holding my my coffee. And I took the little thing out, you know, that they, so it doesn't spill. And I took a drink and I had chills what oh she was having a moment it was so freaking good i was like oh my gosh i almost said it was better than sex but that did not come out she was having moments (laughs) five minutes later she's still you know not many times i thought we were going to talk about something not many times do i get chills from coffee and i just look at her Okay. <laughs> She's needed another moment. <laughs> she was so happy. So if you're ever in the Fort Worth area, yeah. you've got to go to Ampersand. Yes. Vietnamese, three shots of espresso, but the matcha was just as good. Oh, it's so, so tasty. I was going, mm, And mm. I'm going to tell you, I, and this may make people mad that listen to this, but I am not a mask person. I hate wearing masks. I think it's stupid. But I, I purposely bought a Norwex mask because I knew I'd be going places with you guys. Aww. And I put it on because All I'm willing fussy. to put it on for coffee. Maybe I didn't have a good attitude, but I she had She literally on. goes up to the door. <sighs> I'm like, you can go to the car. I will buy yours. What do you want? This is ridiculous. So anyway, it was the best coffee. And I th- let's save our sprinkles for the next one. Right. We'll okay, I agree. But, okay, so what's your favorite thin drink? What I mean, if you don't like coffee, what do you do? Tea and Diet Coke? My favorite, favorite of all time is <gasps> hot, hot chocolate. Okay. Hot Just call it hot cocoa. Yeah, it's the way hot you say cocoa. hot cocoa. <laughs> so I can't wait till winter to get some hot cocoa. I'll buy her some. Periodically, she'll mmm. Mmm. Mm, so good. So maybe that's your moment. Yeah, it could be. I was like, oh, so good. Oh, so good. <laughs> Who doesn't like hot cocoa? I love hot cocoa. Yeah. I can't wait till winter. Yeah. I was actually thinking that a couple days ago. I can't wait till I get and some hot cocoa. And we get her one at Oh, that'd be a good them. idea. 
Yes, because I'd like to go back for that Vietnamese coffee. They have hot cocoa? Mm -hmm. Uh All right, let's go. And then your favorite. So you can't have much caffeine because... There's just too many. Even with the matcha, I think it only took a few minutes before your words were coming out like machine gun fire. Like, <laughs> all over the place. I tried first. to stop in the middle of the road, try to do things. I'm like, and I was like, oh, I've had caffeine. That's what's happening here. <laughs> I have too many favorite drinks. I am a drink person. Bad. Like kombucha, matchas, any sort of decaf drink. I, I obviously really enjoy wine. Waters. Okay, so let's say for people that are not, like, they can't have caffeine either. What is one of your favorite decaf coffees that they can buy? At the moment, it's an iced Americano, which is a super strong coffee, but you can get it in decaf. And I'm all about the iced stuff right now. Okay. And then you can sweeten it as you wish. Okay. And then the matcha. It's right there. We I know what Sherry's is. Love the matcha. Well, I had matcha at our Starbucks in Clovis and felt like I was drinking grass. So oh, I was not it. impressed. I felt like I was a cow. And huh. I but just, I like really earthy. Um, I mean, I'll eat spirulina straight. Okay. The I don't even like, really know what that is. <laughs> But I'm just saying, I like earthy and like um, wow. herby. Spirulina. I've tasted it's that. strong. I'm not saying I like enjoyed it and looked forward to it, but I've done it many times for a very long time in my life. And I was okay. Wow. Uh, so I, anyway, yeah. I like um, not sweet, but what's speechless. opposite of sweet? Gross. <laughs> no. <laughs> Salty? No. Um, Dirt? Yeah, it. <laughs> earthy, sweet, and I mean, they're savory, sweet, savory. savory. Yeah, I like earthy, savory type stuff. Okay, not much of a sweet. A hint of sweet. All right. Well, tagline: Be smart. Be rude. Don't be a victim. Outline of a murder is a Mister Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? The main source for this podcast was Dead Silent, Strange Passenger. Also, the article, The Executioners Who Walk Among Us in the Chicago Tribune.